Over the last few weeks, we've been celebrating Christmas, and we've been lighting one candle per Sunday. And this is a church tradition. It's not one that we've practiced as a church, but we're practicing it this year. And um, all around the world, in you know, Lutheran congregations or Methodist churches or Anglican churches, Catholic churches, lots of churches practice this uh, tradition. And so the first candle on the left is the candle for hope. And for week, you know, the first Sunday of Christmas, we talked about hope. The second one was the candle for peace, and we talked about peace. You know, Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our peace. Last week, we talked about the third candle, which is the pink one. Jesus is our joy, and he is our joy. Without him, we would have no joy at all. But the New Testament says that we have joy unspeakable because of Christ, and it's overflowing. And then today, we get to the fourth candle, which is love. And you often see, um, you know, in Christmas cards, you know, peace, joy, love, and hope, and things like that written, and it's, it's, it's very flowery-sounding language. It, it's... It's like just the nice things you say to make people feel good, but when you stop to consider what these things actually are, it's more than just nice language and and wonderful things to put in a Christmas card to make people feel good. If it wasn't for Jesus, things would be hopeless. But as it is, we have hope. We have real hope because of Jesus. The world can be falling to pieces all around you, but as believers, we have hope. Peace, real peace. (laughs) You can be in prison or in a lawsuit or you can be lost your job. You can be in all sorts of places, but with Christ, he gives peace. Now, sometimes you have temporary lack of peace, but you go back to the Lord and he gives you peace. It's real peace. It's not just words in a Christmas card. And because of what the Lord has done, he gives us real joy. And we rejoice because our names are written in heaven so these first three things that, that we remember in Christmas, they're all very, very real and very, very wonderful. But the fourth of them, which is love, is somehow a little bit different to the other three. And I realized this when, when we decided to do the candles, you know, a month ago, and I was thinking about this, I thought, you know, the love one is somehow a bit different. And I've been contemplating it, trying to figure out what is the difference. You know, Christ is our hope. That's true. He is our peace. He is our joy. And Christ is our love. It's true, but somehow that's not the way you say it. There's something different about that. But how to explain the difference? Well, I figured it out. (laughs) Has anyone figured it out? I'm sure, you, you know, some of you have, no doubt. But hope and peace and joy are things we feel. But when we come to love, we now turn our attention to what God feels or what God is doing. So when we think about hope, we're thinking about our hope. When we think about peace, we're thinking about our peace. When we think about joy, it's our joy. But when we think about love, we're thinking about God's love. So, Even though God has hope, peace, and joy, and even though we do have love, for some reason, the emphasis is more on the love of God himself. It's what he has. It's his feelings. It's his care. Even though we too will be filled with the love of God, and we wouldn't have it if it wasn't for Christ, so the focus shifts from us 
Now, the focus all along has really been him, but it's, it's more him when you get to the fourth week of Advent than it was before. And um, some of you might not have been here for too many of the, the Christmas services, but the church tradition is that the purple candles are purple because Jesus is the king. Purple is the color of royalty. The third candle is pink because that's the candle of joy and joy is so joyous that it, the pink just overwhelms the purple because uh, you know there's a lot to be thankful for. <laughs> and the tradition is that we light one candle the first week, the next week we light two, the next week we light three, Today we've lit in four, and you can see in the order that the first candle has burnt down lower than the others because it's been burning for four weeks. And at Christmas Eve service tonight, we will light the big white one and we'll have five. So there's something special about that big white one. That's because it's the Christ candle. It's the Jesus candle, and when we get to Christmas Eve, we're going to, like I said, we're going to gather around the manger figuratively, and we're going to think about him. He's worth thinking about. And, um, but this morning, for just a few minutes, we will think about God's love, the love of God. In um, John chapter 3, verse 16 to 17, I think possibly the most famous Bible verse in the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So God loved the world, which means he loved the people that are in the world. <laughs> it's, not the, uh, it's not the physical earth that, it's being, that he loved, even though he loves all his creation. It's the people that he loves. In other words, it's you and it's me and um, plenty of people said over the years, oh, when, when, when humans messed up, plenty of, plenty of us have had the thought, why didn't he just wipe us all and start again? Who's ever had that thought? You know, Adam and Eve make a big mess of things. And like, oh, well, God's project has failed. Just like, poof, that one's gone. Just, he could just as easily speak a word and everything would turn back to nothing. You know how God created everything from nothing? He could just as easily speak a word and there'd be nothing again. But why didn't he? Because he actually cares about the people that he created. So it's, it's like sometimes parents have a troubled teenager in their family. I remember reading about King Louis VIII I, f I always forget, there's so many King Louis trying to remember the right number of whichever King Louis it was is an impossible task. But one of the King Louis had a son who was a very troubled individual. What do you do? Get rid of him and make another son? No, it's your son. There's trouble, but you love them. So what do you do? You work to resolve it as best you can. We know that at a human level because we know what human love is like. So God couldn't wipe us all and start again. He loves us. He has to resolve the problem. It's not, a, not, not that he has to. He wants to resolve the problem. It's the only option. 
And so he starts to resolve the problem. And you'll find right there in the beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 3, right at the beginning, he promises a saviour. He's already got a plan and he's already starting to work. So Christmas is the celebration that God loves us. We have a baby that came into the world. This is, this is like God's plan being in unfolding for like thousands of years. You've got initial pronouncements of what he was going to do. You've got Abraham, you know, having a revelation of God. God's got a foothold. It's like, you know, conquering Europe back from the Germans. You've got to start somewhere. You've got to start with D-Day. So he starts with Abraham <laughs> and he's bit by bit, he's working his way in and it's, you'd think that God could just click his fingers and make everything be perfect. But he's dealing with people who have choices. And so he wants to win our hearts. And so there's a process of doing that and he takes the time to do it properly. He makes an effort. And so it takes a few thousand years by the time we get to Jesus. And somewhere in the Bible, it says that at just the right time, Christ came. So on December 25th, if that is the day, there's so many discussions about whether Jesus was actually born on December 25th or not. And um, big intellectual discussions about what was the day that Jesus was born. Well, a big chunk of people do think he was born on December 25th. I'm happy enough, enough to say that was the day. It probably wasn't, but like the Queen's birthday, pick a day and enjoy it. It's Jesus' birthday. We may as well thoroughly enjoy it. And um, in fact, the original calendar, you know, the calendar that we have is based off the birth of Jesus Christ. Now, it would have been really simple if Jesus was born on January the 1st, right? Because then the calendar could have been really nicely divided exactly. But Jesus wasn't born on January the 1st, at the time when they were deciding how to split the calendar up, they thought that he was born on December the 25th. So the guy that split the calendar up had to decide, was Jesus born December 25 BC 1, or was he born December 25 AD 1? Which year was he born? So they went with BC 1, a week before the year 1. So that's why they often, you'll often hear Jesus was born in 1 BC. But now, of course, they think he messed up his numbers. It was actually 4 BC. But anyway, they did their best. Um, so at the right time, whether it was December 25th or some other day, Jesus came into the world to fix a problem that wasn't his problem, but because he loves us a great deal. Because of what he has done, we have peace and hope and joy, which we've been talking about for the last few weeks. Now, I remember when I was a teenager. Who can remember being a teenager? <laughs> I remember saying to somebody, probably one of my friends, saying that I know God loves me, but I don't feel his love. I don't feel any love at all. Who's ever thought that? Probably everybody. And um, I remembered at the time thinking to myself, I'm going to have to pray about this. And I started praying. And I started praying, Lord, I want to feel your love. Show me your love. So that was a prayer I started praying as a teenager. And I've been praying it regularly ever since. And I tell you what, it's a prayer that really works. 
But it's not like, for me anyway, it wasn't a quick acting prayer. It's been a prayer that's had an effect over time and more and more and more, I just feel the love of God and it's wonderful. If someone tells me the love of God's not real, it's the biggest load of bunkum I've ever heard because not only can you look at it in the Bible and you can see all the evidence of it in the world and in history, but boy, do I feel it as well. He's been so kind to me. But I do remember what it was like as a teenager to think, I know God loves me because the Bible says, but I sure don't feel it. So I wanted to take a few minutes this morning to talk about the love of God the way we like to think about it, which is when we feel it, it's real. You know, this is the human thing, right? If someone says you're loved, but you don't feel the love, you think, well, it may as well not be real because I don't feel it. You know, love only counts if you feel it, right? Well, actually, no, that's not true. Love doesn't only count if you feel it. We'll get to that in a minute. I remembered, as I was thinking about this sermon, I remembered a good old musical called The Fiddler on the Roof. Who's ever seen The Fiddler on the Roof? A lot of people. That's great, because you'll remember the song. Now, I don't normally endorse things, and, um, but Fiddler on the Roof was a classic musical. And um, the old man in the, mu- in the musical, Tevier, he's Jewish, and he marries a lady, Golda, and they have five daughters, and they've been living their life according to traditions. And in these traditions, when your daughters get old enough, you go to the matchmaker, the matchmaker lines them up with some suitable bloke, they hope he's a good type, but they got no choice. You know, and so, all that fun is explored in the musical. But of course, they all end up marrying people they didn't have a choice over, but as the movie goes along, you know, they're coming into the modern times of like the, you know, 1910s. And um, these young girls start to get ideas of, you know, perhaps we should marry who we want to and not who we get told to marry. And so this couple, the oldest daughter, finds someone that she loves and all the pleading and, and eventually pays off and um, they let this girl marry this bloke that she loves. And, uh, you know, well, they're happy. But then it gets this old bloke thinking, does my wife love me? Because, you know, they got matchmaked. It was not a love. Love wasn't a part of it. But they'd been married for 25 years, had all these kids, worked hard, done all the stuff you do. But does my wife love me is the thought. So there's a song, Do You Love Me? You should look it up. Go and watch Fiddler on the Roof, um, do you love me? Right? So he's, he, it's all, they're all singing, of course. He's, he says to his wife, do you love me? She says, do I what? <laughs> do you love me? She says, do I love you? With our daughters getting married and trouble in the town, you're upset, you're worn out. Go inside and lie down. Maybe it's indigestion. So that's her response. He goes, Golda, I'm asking you a question. Do you love me? She says... You're a fool. I'm not endorsing that, but that's just what she says in the song. He says, I know, I know, but do you love me? She says, for 25 years I've washed your clothes, cooked your meals, cleaned your house, given you children, milked the cow. After 25 years, why talk about love now? (laughs) 
<laughs> so every time he brings up the question, she's like fobbing it off. He says, Golda, the first time I met you was on our wedding day. Now, see, there's another whole world right there. They do that type of thing in India, but we've never known that. He says, I was scared. She says, I was shy. He says, I was nervous. She says, so was I. He says, but my father and my mother said we would learn to love each other. So now I'm asking you, Golda, do you love me? She says, I'm your wife. He says, I know, but do you love me? <laughs> so he's got to push a lot to find this question out. She says, do I love him? She says, for 25 years I've lived with him, fought with him, starved with him. 25 years, my bed is his. If that's not love, what is? He says, then you love me? She says, I suppose I do. And he says, and I suppose I love you too. Isn't that nice? See, it had feelings had nothing to do with it. It's an interesting song because it gets to the end of the song and they realize that they've cared for each other for 25 years, and that is love. And in, when you watch the song, because I watched it last night to um, just experience it again, as, when it gets to that moment where it says, I suppose I love you too, they kind of sit down next to each other and look real cute, and then he gives her a little elbow. So it's like, finally there's some feelings after all these years. It's like once they believed they were loved by each other, they felt loved. Isn't that interesting? Once they believed they were loved, they felt loved. So there's kind of like a, a missing candle. It's called the candle of faith. Because faith is such a strong part of Christian life. But faith is what activates the love of God. In fact, faith is what activates all of these things. If you believe that God loves you, it activates joy within you. It'll activate peace within you. And you won't feel hopeless. You'll be full of hope. So there's a missing element. We don't have a candle for faith. But you don't have any of these things without faith. So it turns out that in that song between Golda and Tevier, the two Jewish, the Jewish couple, they believed each other, eventually. You know, after a lot of pushing and discussion, you know, eventually she says, you know what, I suppose I do love you. And he believes her. But what a lot of couples do, I think, is they don't believe each other. <laughs> they start out saying I love you because it's our Western culture and it's all about the feelings. But then after a while the feelings disappear and then they'll say to each other, I love you. Oh, no, you don't. I don't believe it. So then they're working against it because they're not recognizing certain things that are love when they actually are. That's in marriage. And I think eventually people come to accept the love that is being you know, shown them, even though it may be not their love language or it may be some other type of love that they're not used to, but it's still love. So then when they believe it, and start to receive it, then it starts to have an effect upon their feelings. 
So if you want to feel the love of God, you're going to need faith. You're going to need to believe in him. He says that he loves you. Don't do what a lot of couples do and say, oh, you know, I don't feel it so it's not real, and throw it away. That's what a lot of people do. If they don't feel it, it's not real. Not true. In that illustration of that couple, their care for each other over 25 years was nothing other than love. That man hooked up his horse and went out milking, and he milked his cow and hooked up his horse and went out delivering milk day in, day out to provide for that lady and those five girls. He looked after them. That was love. And that lady, she raised those daughters, fed him, like all the things that she did, had the kids, that's hard job. All of that was love. God, what has God done for us? Created you for starters. You wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. Given you the air you breathe, put you into a family, given you parents, though not perfect, did their best according to what they knew to raise you. You wouldn't be here without your parents. Put you in a country, you've been educated, you're, you're provided for. That's just you. Put you in a church, put a family around you, given you friends, flowers on the side of the road growing, make the world pretty as you drive around. But go back in time. He put the word of God into the world. Gave Abraham faith. Abraham's become our father. Sent the prophets. You know, sent the word of God. Established Israel as an example to us. The sacrifices to teach us. Gave us a Bible. At the right time, became a person himself. Entered into the world to live like us. To know what it's like to be a person. If anyone said, God's not real, I've never seen him. No, Jesus was very real, and you can look at him. Gave us a Bible, you can pick it up. The very words of God in your own house. You can read them anytime you want. If that's not love, what is? Does God love you? What should your answer be? I suppose he does. And you will love him too. In Romans chapter 4, verse 1 to 3, it says, this is talking about faith. What shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? If in fact Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. But what does scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Abraham believed. And as a result of his believing, God blessed him with righteousness and a great deal many other things as well. Does God love you? Believe it. As a result of your faith, 
you will find a great deal many blessings are going to flow to you, just like they did for Abraham. So I'm sure, even though Fiddler on the Roof is just a musical, it's just a made-up story, an entertaining one at that, but I'm sure that Tevye's marriage improved after that point. (laughs) Because he accepted the fact that he was loved. What a difference that makes. And he gave love back accordingly. What will your faith be like if you just accept the fact that you are in fact loved? Does God love you? Don't say, well, I know he does according to the Bible. Accept it. Say he does. He loves me. That's a profoundly wonderful thing to say. Whether you feel it or not, that's a different question. Does God love you? Say, yes, he does. And I love him too. So the thing about love is it's a relational thing. It takes two people. Love on its own isn't a thing. You can't have love without something else, something to love that loves you back. That's the nature of love. So love means you're walking with God. There's a relationship with God. So... You stop fighting his love off by saying, I don't feel it, it's not real, I wish I knew it more, I know it's real but I can't feel it. Stop saying all those things. You stop fighting it off, you accept that it's there, you thank God for the love he has given you and then you love him back. It's really, really simple. You love God back. In fact, that turns out to be The number one commandment. Love the Lord your God. How do you love God? That's a question I've been asking myself for many years. How do I show you love, Lord? Well, how do you show anyone love? Spend some time with them. Be interested in them. Try to get to know them. Give them gifts. All these types of things are... The way you show love, and it's no different with the Lord. Spend time with the Lord. Get to know him. Be interested in him and give him gifts. Sometimes because God's not physically in front of us all the time, we treat him as though he's not even a person. He's a person. He's very, very real. And so our love to him will be as if he's a person. He is. So the fourth candle calls for response. In other words, we need to show love to God. In the book of Revelation, chapter 2, verse 1 to 5, there was a church called Ephesus, and they had got used to doing the Christian stuff. They'd got used to going to church, doing all the Christiany things, going on missions, saying their prayers, performing their Christian duties. 
But in verse five, the Lord says, in verse four, the Lord says to this church, you have forsaken the love you had at first. And in verse five, he says, repent and do the things you did at first. So sometimes there are people who never knew the love of God. But sometimes there are others who've known the love of God, but their love has grown cold. Well, today we're talking to both of you. We're talking to those of you who've never known the Lord and his love. Today, just like Tevier and Golda, you can look at it and say, well, the Lord's love has been there all the time, but I've never recognised it or accepted it. You can accept it. But then there are others who've been going to church perhaps your whole life and, and your faith has become a, a routine and your love has grown cold. And um, maybe it's time to have a date night with the Lord. Hey, renew that love. <laughs> well, that's what I'm going to try to do the next few weeks. I'm going to do these spiritual exercises and uh, hopefully find the Lord all over again in a whole new way. And it doesn't matter how long you've known the Lord. There's more to discover in him. He's infinite. There's no end. You know, that's why heaven won't be boring. We had this discussion with my boys just a few weeks ago about how heaven is forever and won't it get boring? You know, no one wants to go to hell because that's painful, but won't heaven be boring because it's just forever just the same old nice stuff? Heaven will never be boring because God's an infinite God. Well, you don't have to wait until heaven to start to discover the wonders of his love. You can start now. So we're going to invite the band to come back and we are going to pray. Now, I'd invite you to start your own journey of finding the love of God, either for the first time or finding it afresh. And how do you start? If you've never known the love of God, how do you start? You start by saying, Lord, I know you love me. Now, maybe you won't feel the love. Maybe you will and maybe you won't. But you can also do the thing that I did and start praying. Start praying every day that the Lord would reveal his love to you. And you know what? He will answer that prayer. He answered it for me. And um, just because you've experienced a bit of God's love doesn't mean you don't want more. So I haven't stopped praying that prayer. I keep praying it all the time. Well, make a start. It's Christmas Eve. You know God gives Christmas presents too. You know that, right? Every year at Christmas, I ask God for a Christmas present. Does anyone else do that? Am I the only one that asks God for a Christmas present? You've all been missing out. <laughs> God gives the best Christmas presents. Better Christmas present than any gift a human can give. Why don't you all ask him? In fact, I'm going to pray right now. I'm going to ask the Lord for the, 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 a gift of a revelation of his love. Now that's a good gift. <laughs> Make a big difference in your life. But I, I suggest you go home, get on your knees tonight before you go to bed. Um, by the way, I'm going to pray. But getting on your knees, that's a thing. You know, if you, if you have fallen into the habit where prayers have become mundane and routine, get on your knees. Because the, just that simple act of getting on your knees next to your bed will make it feel like a prayer. 
There's something about that, that realization of knowing that you're really praying. So if you're struggling with feeling like praying or feeling like you're connecting with God when you're praying, try hopping on your knees when you're praying and addressing him from that posture. It seems to make a difference. So that is your challenge. Your challenge is to ask the Lord to give you that gift, but along with that, to accept the gift that you have been given, regardless of how you feel about it. Okay? Deal? We have a deal. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ, the visible expression of the love of God. Thank you that you came into the earth to show us the love of God. Thank you for going to the cross and taking the sins of the world upon your shoulder. And Lord, this morning we would say to you, thank you that you love us. Thank you that you've given us peace and hope and joy. Thank you you've forgiven us our sins. Thank you you fill our hearts with the Holy Spirit. You fill our minds with wonderful things, wonderful thoughts. And now my prayer would be that you would give us a revelation of Christ. Lord, over these weeks ahead as we all seek you, I pray we would be brought into fresh things. Lord, may the year ahead and the years ahead be one of more increasingly knowing the love of God, of knowing God himself. Lord, there are so many Christian things we can do and we want to do them well, but I pray we would come to love the Lord our God with all our hearts. So give us the grace to do that. And so, Lord, bless your people. Bless them with your favour. Lord, it says in the Scriptures that Mary was favoured. Lord, let your favour rest upon all your people. Bring us into the fullness of God. Amen.